This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio. We spend so much time and energy on upgrading our applications to create a more secure environment, but not nearly enough time is spent on upgrading you, the human. If you haven't tried out Audible yet, it's a great way to learn and listen to your favorite titles. Chris and I are both avid Audible listeners and take every opportunity we can to upgrade ourselves and our content. If you haven't signed up yet, follow the link in the description below and get a free Audible book by signing up. This episode is one of a kind. We've brought in two amazing founders that are disrupting our industry and bringing in unique perspectives. Corey White and Craig Goodwin are founders of Cyvatar, a cybersecurity as a service startup. In this episode, we get to learn more about their organization and their founder's journey. We hope you love it, and you're certainly in for a treat, so let's jump right into it. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Today, we've brought in a dynamic duo, and I'm not just talking about Chris and I. Our two guests are disrupting a $150 billion industry. This episode, we've brought in Corey White and Craig Goodwin, founders of Cyvatar. It's a pleasure to have you all on the show, and welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Craig, Corey, love the conversations that we've been having over the last couple of weeks. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your backgrounds and what you're doing today. Let's start with you, Craig. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having us on. So my name's Craig Goodwin. I've been a CISO for about 20 years now after leaving the UK government and the security services um, mainly for US-based tech companies. So I spent my career building global security functions, trying to find ways to deliver security that is business-minded, not so much technical, and trying to build teams that really drive outcomes for the companies, get to remediation, take accountability, and do all the stuff that I see CISOs not doing for the most part in the industry right now. So been spent my time doing that the last, last 20 or so years, and then more recently, founded Cybertar with Corey. All right, Corey, let's hear from you. Yeah, sure. So, you know, 25 years in, in the industry, started in, in the mid-90s and, you know, just kind of working my way up there. So I started hands-on consulting, assessments, pen testing, certified everything. I did back in the 90s, I was a Cisco guy and Microsoft guy and CISP and all, all that stuff. Then I joined the Foundstone team in 2004. Uh, got to know you, you know Stuart McClure, and George Kurtz, uh, you know Kevin Mandia. Just love some of the industry you know pioneers and veterans there, and just did amazing things at Foundstone. It gave me an opportunity to build global incident response teams. We got acquired by McAfee, so it gave me an opportunity to go and you know learn about the product side of the house and deployment of products. So managed the deployment uh, you know, product team there. And then on top of that, I continued with the Foundstone stuff, assessments, pen testing, all that good stuff. Did that for eight and a half years. Then in, in 2012, Stuart came to me and said, hey, you want to try to solve some of these problems we've been fighting against all these years? I'm like, absolutely. 
So I joined, you know, Silence and Silence as employee number 12. And over the next, you know, six and a half years, we, we set out to change the industry and prevent, you know, uh, cyber attacks on, on malware, the malware uh, attacks endpoints. So, um, interesting for me, starting running services, then building managed services and services around product and assessments and pen testing and working with the channel and, and building a channel team that focused on enabling the channel and alliances. By the time I was, I was finished, I was chief customer officer there. And I, I realized that um, after I left, I realized Wow, I've seen just a part about every evolution of cybersecurity over the last 25 years. And I've got to touch just about every part of it from products to services to uh, channel and alliances and so on and so forth. Yeah, it, I felt like it was almost a crime if, if I didn't go out and kind of build it myself because I got the view of to see everything that was actually broken in the cybersecurity industry. So that is why I decided, you know, to, to start, you know, Savitar and to go pause now or to continue that you guys jump in and ask a question. Sorry, I know you can edit. No, yeah, absolutely. That's outstanding. What's amazing about your backgrounds is that they're totally complementary. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about the the formation of the company and what it looked like to actually get that first seed round. Congratulations on that, by the way. And I know you guys have customers already. So from that initial start to seed round to getting your first customers. would love to hear a little bit about that that journey right there. Uh, let's start with you, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm going to ask Craig to chime in because, you know, the formation of, of uh, Craig and I coming together, it all should always happen over beers, right? And <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we, we got to know each other originally. He was a, a customer. And whenever I'm, I'm talking to customers, I was always talking about business outcomes and value and how we want to make sure our customers actually get value. And, you know, we, we stopped, you know, the vendor customer conversation and just really started having a normal kind of friend conversation and talking about what was broken in cybersecurity. And this was, you know, two and a half years before Cybertar was, was built, we were having that conversation. Uh, we stayed close. Then um, this past RSA, we, we sync back up again face-to-face over beers, and I started talking about what, what we're doing and planning to do at, at Savitar. And, and then, you know, Craig has this smile on his face. He pulls out his laptop, and he walks through the other side of the business, which we absolutely needed. And, Craig, I'll let you kind of tell from your perspective, but that was that perfect marriage there of us coming together. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Corey had had approached it from an industry perspective, long-time veteran of, of the vendor side, and had seen all those problems with the security industry from the vendor perspective. What I was seeing it from was the CISO and end user point of view, and spending 18 to 20 years railing against product companies and services companies for not delivering me what, what I needed as an end user. So when we met in that bar just down the road from RSA and, and Corey started telling me about what he was trying to achieve at Cybertar, I said, look, I've, I've got the end user perspective on this. I can bring the CISO's perspective to the party. And if you join those two things together with product and, and technology on top or a platform on top of that to really drive the outcomes that, that the customer expects, I mean, how powerful is that? You know, having having all those lessons learned from the vendor side, all the lessons learned from the pains and tribulations of growing up and as a CISO and trying to build global security organizations in what is a really, really complex vendor and services space. 
even for an 18-year veteran in, as a CISO, it's still incredibly complex. And I find it difficult today to pick one vendor from the next. So having that experience of done that multiple times over, combine that with the vendor experience, bring those two things together as Cyvatar as we are today, and you've got this real powerful opportunity to, like you said in, in, the, um, in the introduction, to really revolutionize an industry and find a different way of, of doing things going forward. You know, I've been on both sides. I've been a vendor and I've been an engineer working at an enterprise organization. And I agree, there's a lot of things that are broken. And the things that work are sometimes too hard to configure and just deploy in my own environment. I would love to hear what are these complementary skills that you two have that kind of bridges that gap for product and an enterprise. Craig, what do you think is your complementary skill to Corey? And what do you think Corey's superpower is? <laughs> Great question. So Corey's got tons of superpowers, like me saying that. So I think <laughs> my perspective, I'll, I'll talk to mine and then I'll let Corey talk about his superpowers. He likes that bit. But so, so my, my, I, I guess my, my piece here, right, is really about business communication and really getting to the outcome. So what, what I found as a CISO was that too many vendors, whether it's services or, or product companies, were continually relying on me to do a number of different really hard things. One was be the sales guy internally for them, right? So a vendor would come to me and say, you know, I've got this great security product. It's going to solve all of your problems and then walk away and expect me to sell that to the executives internally. So I became their internal sales guy. And, and that meant it was incredibly difficult to get it over the line and to get those technologies in. And then the second piece was implementation and getting the right output or getting the full value out of those tools. I mean, not just me as a CISO, but I sit on a number of customer advisory boards or did, probably not allowed now, I'm not a CISO, but I did sit on a number of customer advisory boards. And I talked to CISOs, you know, every week or every month who would tell me that they'd installed certain tools and they were up for their annual renewal on those tools and they still hadn't extracted any value from them or they still weren't installed properly. So I think what I bring to this party is, is the business perspective, is the, the ability to take those complex technical concepts, tools, and communicate in a way that the business understands. And we're building that into Cybertar so that any business of any size doesn't have to navigate that complexity of technical and has the ability to draw on my experience and the team's experience in communicating those business outcomes and getting the value out of those tools and services that they deserve as an end user. And then Corey brings all that experience from a vendor perspective, but there's no one better to talk about his superpowers than him. So I'll <laughs> Oh, I was hoping you would let me off the hook and I wouldn't have to talk about my superpower. Um, it, you know, first I got to talk about, you know, what, what Craig brings to the table because it, 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 it really, one of, one of the first conversations we had is he was talking about him as a CISO giving all of his power away, meaning he enabled his teams to own cybersecurity. And, and he wasn't the, the only person you've seen in organizations, well, security is Craig's you know, responsibility. But no, he would push that out to his teams, which I think is a very important approach to take. And now what we're doing is in, in our company, watching Craig build that into a, an overall platform. And you know, for our existing customers today, you know, giving that CISO perspective, because what, what companies don't have, we literally talked to a company today, 
And, you know, they they wanted all the technical bits that, that I will provide. But they said, but we don't have a way to communicate to our executives. We don't know how to communicate the value to our executives and, and build dashboards and communicate that back up. And, and so that, that, that companies, you know, not only buying our technical solutions, but they're also are buying the VC so hours or marrying those two together. It's a perfect marriage and a solution that every company needs. And when you think about cybersecurity as a, a service that we're bringing to the table, you look at all the other industries out there, they brought those two together and, and made it easy for the user to consume and effectively democratizing you know, that, that industry. But no one's democratized cybersecurity. And us together, let's just say, you know, our, our ambition is to have a superpower, but the superpower of Savatar, we are cyber avatars for our customers. Our goals make our customers look amazing. And Craig and I are happy to be in the background here. Corey, I feel like entrepreneurs, something inside them pushes them into to entrepreneurship. And it usually starts when they're young. For me, it definitely started when I was young. I was the candy man back in school, you know, trying to sell pixie sticks for 10 cents a piece, which is an amazing margin, by the way, if you don't know that. But I would love to hear the story of when you felt like you were an entrepreneur. When did you start building that, that spirit of entrepreneurship? You were talking about candy in, in high school. I was selling for 25 cents. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it definitely started earlier for me as well. Uh, my dad had his own business, but I've always thought of myself. I didn't realize I was an entrepreneur until I really um, looked back at my career. And anybody who's ever done consulting, you are your own you know, brand person, everything, even within a consulting company. So, you know, in consulting, you're, you're that person. You run that project. You run everything. And I've always, you know, functioned that way. At Foundstone, I was very lucky to have, have management to, to say, Corey, just do your thing. So I did my thing. And, you know, I was not questioned. As long as I was making money, team was growing, I was not questioned. Um, same thing as, as Silence. I had my own P&L. I was able to run it, you know, from you know the ground all the way up, and until you know, two hundred people worldwide, you know, sixty million dollar global consulting PNL, you know, very very successful in the six and a half years that I was there. So I've always functioned that way, and I realized that if somebody were to take that power away and tell me what to do, that just does not work well with me. I kind of like to, to do it my own way, and and so I think it's always been in me, and I've just been fortunate to have you know really really great management to allow me to do it. Love that. Craig, tell us that you were selling these pixie sticks for 35 cents a pop. <laughs> Firstly, I've got no idea what pixie sticks are or, <laughs> or, or candy because I speak English, right? But I will tell you a funny story though about entrepreneurs. And my mum always tells this story about how she had to march me back around where we lived when I was younger, handing back money to, to all of the mums that I had made pay for shells that I collected off the beach that morning. So that, that was about seven years old. I managed to sell those shells to, to unsuspecting mothers of my friends. So that, that, there's entrepreneurial spirit for you right there. So as a CISO, I think all the best CISOs, and, and I don't think the word entrepreneur should really be confined to you know startup space or building your own business. If I think about what I've learned as a CISO over the years, all of those skill sets, all of those things that take to become an entrepreneur are all the things that make successful business people and make successful CISOs, right? So, you know, personal branding, 
building a brand for yourself when you come into a new business or you start as a CISO is just incredibly important. You know, marketing the function of security across the organization, the ability to find new ways of solving complex problems, you know, all, all those kind of core values and all those things that we see that are absolutely critical to entrepreneurs is what I think has made me successful in building security organizations. And whether that's internal to a larger organization or whether it's as part of Cybertar now, I think all those same ingredients have really helped to be successful. So the way I've approached security from a new perspective, like Corey mentioned, you know, diversifying, I think, you know, the ability to or the future path for security is diversification and decentralization of those security functions. So those new approaches, in my mind, take those elements of entrepreneurship anyway. And now I can bring it to a space where we can really make a difference for the industry. So super excited about doing true entrepreneurism now. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. You don't necessarily have to do a startup just to have that entrepreneur spirit. And I think one of the things that makes any team great or even an organization great is the synergy and collaboration. Now, I know that you all are you're on two different sides of the world. How do you keep that synergy going? It, maybe you have an around the clock type of collaborative effort that you all are able to introduce into your company. I was going to let Craig start with that one, but because um, obviously he has the biggest challenge, which I do not understand how how he does it. Uh, he's been from me on the West Coast. He's eight hours ahead, but he's he's always there and just on all the time. But yeah, I tell, I'll tell my philosophy for a team in global teams is I'm, I'm used to running global teams. I'm used to building global teams. So it's not really an, an issue for me. But in this COVID world, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out, well, how do we do everything remotely? Well, for 25 years, I've been handling teams all over the world. So it's not like a big deal for me. But what we do do is we do daily standups, just like a, a development shop. And it's run by, by Craig. And everybody kind of updates the team on what they're working on. And, and that keeps it fresh. But we, we talk a lot via where it be Slack, where it be us on Zooms, but we, it's a lot of communication and everyone is available. So that's, that's my structure. But again, Craig's done this too. I'd love to hear his insight. No, I think we overthink this stuff, right? I think the, the always on mentality, I think COVID has sped that up. What I love about it, just to give it a little bit of a different spin on it, I think what, what I've loved about this period is that it's really not fundamentally changed. I always give the example of working from home, right? Everyone said before COVID that they that they worked from home and they were fine with working from home. But there was always that little bit of reticence, like don't put a dog in the screen or I don't want your kids coming on camera, that kind of stuff. And everyone hid that away. I think the, the most positive thing that's happened during this COVID from a work from home perspective is that the number of dogs I see during the day now on, on cameras or children bursting into the room or random noises like workmen and you know people working in the background, that's all become so much more relaxed now. And I think just, just that ability to not just say you can work from home, but it be genuinely true and it be part of your life and just genuinely integrate, I think is going to be really powerful going forward. I think that that's all gone away now and that stigma about working from home, certainly for the most part, particularly when you're in cybersecurity or the IT space, it's definitely been softened now. And I think that's a really, really positive change. I've never had a problem. I mean, I've followed the clock all of my career, whether it's 
you know, India and China on one side of the world through to the US on the other side. It's all about that communication, like Corey says, keeping the lines of communication open, being available when you need to be available and being upfront and honest about it when you're not. You know, you need to take that time away. I think we've started a culture at Cybertar where everyone feels empowered and free to do that when they need to do it and then works hard when they're when they're back in the saddle and they're focused on the work. So I think that freedom, that treating everyone like an adult, that ability to communicate as and when needed and constantly are just all really important components. Super important empowerment and communication. And I, I don't think you can really go wrong with that. When we talk to all of the VCs that we talk to, when we talk to all of the startups, whenever you start to mention services, people start to say, eh, would love to hear a little bit about that decision to include services with your startup and how that affected anything when it came to conversations during your seed round. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fiery topic. Here's the deal, though. If you look at cybersecurity and actually securing an organization, and, and you know, a lot of the old school people still, you know, still say this, but it's, it's true. People process and technology and, and technology being really the last part of it. But we're so stuck on, wow, look at this amazing, cool technology that is going to go and solve all of our cybersecurity problems. But then what, the, what people are starting to realize is that technology doesn't. You know, it, you really need the right people and a process around it and implement the technology. And I saw that firsthand at, at, at Silence, whereas our value prop was prevention. And to get to prevention, we had this brand new product using artificial intelligence. And the first customers I did the deployments myself, they had no idea what half the terms we were talking about were as it relates to to what malware was. They had no idea. So I realized at that moment, if we hand this off to our customers and let them to figure out themselves, they will never get to prevention. And so build outcome-based services, meaning we don't stop until you get to an outcome of prevention. And, and then I watched that just be hugely successful. And I always wondered, you know, back in the day, you know, like in 2000, I remember putting in a firewall and I was switching out, you know, checkpoint firewall and putting in a PIX firewall. And I realized that the rule set was just completely screwed up. And the only way to fix it is I had to build services into it and actually had extra services on top of it to actually get it done right. So, you know, all these security product companies out there, they're struggling trying to get their customers to have some kind of an outcome, get their product set up right so they can get the renewal. Running a team of the, I was had access to the renewals team. I ran the success team. I ran the um, technical account managers and the support team and the, the services team. So if a customer had services and we got it done right, then they didn't need those other teams. <laughs> So when you think about this from a VC perspective, you know, you know there's a little little secret that you know there were a few times that I was almost spun out of my last company because services margin versus product margin, and that's you know VCs don't like a you know max you get maybe three percent three three percent you know three uh, x of, of margin when they know you can get you know twenty a hundred whatever on product, so that's what the problem is. And so it's driven by how much money they can they can make out of it, but is what it's not driven by what is right for the customer. And so what we decided at, at Savitar is, you know, originally a year ago, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to go and get VC money because they're not going to go forward. And they try to change my model. We ended up being really blessed once I realized that, oh, crap, this is actually really going to work and it's going to grow. 
I need money to make it grow faster. That's when we started looking for the investment. And we were actually really blessed. We went through, geez, I think it was like 40 or almost 50 different VCs in about a three-month time period. And we had uh, about three to five of them that, that came back and were ready to discuss terms. And we settled on Bill Wood because Bill, he, he said on the first call, I don't care if you guys are services or product. If you're doing what's right for the customer, you know, I want to be involved in that. And that was just so refreshing. And so that's why we, we went with Bill Wood. But we did have a couple others that, that were interested in, in actually solving the problem. And we stuck with our guns. And I think, you know, for both Craig and I, our advice is don't let a VC change what you're trying to do with your company because it will end up diluting your ultimate goal. Love that. And I came from a customer success background. That's what I was doing in my previous job, really handholding the customer because you're right, without the services, how are you going to do right for the customer, especially when you're introducing them to a new technology? And one of the things that I noticed about Cyvatar is a new terminology, cybersecurity as a service. What does that exactly entail? And what are you providing for your customers when you're looking at that type of service? So I think quickly back to the services conversation, Ron, you know, the services we all know have to exist somewhere in the process, right? And and if the vendor's not doing it, if the product companies aren't doing it, then the customer's got to do it. And, and we know that there's a talent shortage out there. You know, we know people are struggling for finding the right talent. But then there's all the other stuff that makes that even more complicated, like getting those people to understand the technology, getting them to understand the business context and their own environments, you know, upskilling those people. And, and if you're a smaller organization, the money and budget to buy and get those people on board and buy those products, et cetera, et cetera, just becomes increasingly more complex. So if we accept that the services have to exist somewhere, we accept that either the customer's got to do it or that we've got to do it as part of a overall solution to deliver the outcome that the customer wants. And, and that's essentially where we got to with cybersecurity as a service, which means, you know, products plus services plus other products, all within subscription-based bundles that deliver real outcomes for the customers. And when I say outcomes, I mean both micro and macro outcomes. So from a micro perspective, that might mean remediation of vulnerabilities rather than just pointing out the issues, right? And, and just adding white noise to an environment. And on a macro level, that means getting to a compliance outcome or getting to a position where your security program is more mature and you can sleep better at night knowing that you've made the right decisions and you've lowered your risk to an acceptable level. So what we've built is cybersecurity as a service is products combined with services towards an outcome that deliver real actionable insights and outcomes for our customers. And, it, and it's all packaged in a single solution, all in one, that makes these things much simpler than they ever would have been before. Greg, when you talk about building, I think about all the people that are listening right now that are either about to begin building their company or in the beginning stages of building their company. What lessons learned could you convey to our listeners right now about the journey that you've taken so far? Any words of wisdom for them? Yeah, super interesting. So Corey touched on a couple there when going through the VC. I think the thing that sticks in my mind most, and, and Corey touched on it, is just sticking to your guns, right? It is incredibly tempting as you go through that process of listening to external people, right? Whether it be, you know, other people in the industry, 
whether it be VCs, like we've gone through the process over the last three months. And it's incredibly tempting to bend those values and to change what you're trying to do as an organization to fit in with what the mold is, what the stereotype says you should be. You know, I need you to build a product and nothing else because that's what my investment portfolio says that we need from a monetary returns perspective. And through that process, me and Corey stuck to our guns. And we were very clear that a single product doesn't solve the problem that we're after solving. It doesn't deliver the value that we want to deliver to our customers. So time will tell. But where we've got to now is we've got the right investor. We've got the right traction. We've got customers. We're seeing the market is accepting the solution that we're delivering. And it's proving that the product market fit is there. So we're ready to take off. And and we really think that all of those things have now come together to create that circumstance where we're really ready to do the right things for our customers and build what we wanted to build in the first place. So I would say, you know, it's easy to say coming out the side of the seed funding, we're not quite there yet, but, you know, stick to your guns. What it is that you want to build, you should focus and be passionate about building that and not be swayed by individual days where someone says it's the wrong thing or not quite right for them. Yeah, just to chime in there, what is important is, there were times that both Craig and I were, were swayed and and what I, I love about the relationship and partnership we have. And this is why I do recommend having a co-founder because you know, I would say something and Craig would be like, no, we're not doing that. You know, that's not solving the problem because you get so you know attracted to saying certain things that, you know, a VC wants to hear, you know, get you the funding, but it may still it'll be the wrong thing. So there were I think there were many times when we, we both kind of, you know, you know, kind of snapped each other back to reality. And, and I think that's an important dynamic to have because if you're by yourself, you may just fall into that trap. All right. Gentlemen, I just want to say thank you so much for jumping on the mics with us today. It was a complete honor. For those that want to stay up to date with you, Cyvatar, and all the things that you guys have going on, what are the best ways that people can do that? Yeah, you can find us on LinkedIn. We're both on LinkedIn. Cyvatar's on LinkedIn. Hook up on Twitter or reach out to us through email. So mine's Craig at Cyvatar.ai, Corey at Cyvatar.ai. And we'd be happy to give you more information on what Cyvatar's doing. You can stay up to date. Awesome. And we'll be sure to drop all of those in the show notes. These guys have a lot of press going around about them right now. You could easily find their press release and also information about their previous seed round on Google. And we'll be sure to share all the links in the show notes and see you all next time.